0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Supermarcado Bros Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks
1: for joining us for this mighty episode. My name is Carl
0: Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. This is going to be a super fun episode. (laughs) Will, why don't you tell our listeners what they can expect this episode? Absolutely, Carl. Uh, Well, today's episode... (laughs) I think I'm trying to put on an affected voice (laughs) to sound mightier than I am. No, uh, the topic of today's episode... Episode is really superhero games. Uh, Any video game that has, you know, superheroes in it. It's kind of a giant genre. Carl and I were brainstorming, you know, some other episode topics uh, because one of our favorite things about this podcast is uh, that the topic. Each week really affects sort of the context of how we choose to listen to the music. So, just how you think about it on a console, yeah. If we're focusing on a console, we might be more interested in the technical aspects of the composition. If we're focusing on a series, we're going to notice like what are the compositional devices that are similar, right? If we're talking about one composer, we're going to look at their. So, it's like. By looking at a genre like this, it's kind of fun because it's something that gets to span the history of video games. I mean, as long as there have been video games, there have been superhero games. Well, I Well, mean, we should be
1: clear that these are series and characters that come from outside of video games, for the most part. I think there's right. only one example where it's an original... Game with like original characters, uh, and that's, that's really always been a treasure trove for games. You know, superhero games. Yeah, so a
0: lot of them. Yeah, they're
1: comic book uh, for the most games, part. Yeah, either
0: based off of you know films or comic books or
1: one thing. TV shows that I think we should probably mention is there's a lot of great music on today's playlist. Obviously, it's why we chose this topic because we know a lot of great stuff. Games, though, as far as the quality of the games back in this 8 and 60 mid era, they were almost exclusively awful, like, especially on the console. There were so many terrible, uh, like, Superman games and just, like, we think of that Silver Surfer, uh, just a lot of really awful uh, superhero games.
0: Well, and I don't think that's just in the past. I I don't think there have been many successful superhero games, period. Yeah,
1: anytime they make, let's say they make, like, Avengers the game or, like, Iron Man the game, it's always really bad. It's funny It seems like one of the big Missed
0: opportunities Of video games Because you think about Superhero Like what's more empowering Than being a superhero I mean With the exception of like The Batman Arkham games But you know Batman really isn't Super, you know, he's still a human. You'd think like nothing would be more empowering than playing as Spider Man or Superman, getting to fly mm-hmm. around and stuff. It's really such a missed opportunity. Yeah,
1: especially the Spider Man series. I feel like, oh my gosh, there was one one the game that came out right after the first movie was like okay, it was like pretty good, but I feel like so many of them really just missed the mark. And I don't know, I just feel like they kind of all tried to do the same thing, and like they, it's almost like Sonic, where they keep trying over and over again to do almost the same thing, and it's still not sure. It's not not quite good enough. It's interesting. Well,
0: I'm really excited for the episode today because I think we're going to hear a lot of music that is just kind of giving you classic VGM. Like I don't know, you think of uh, some of like the Batman stuff on NES, but then I also think we're going to get some examples of kind of like the track we played in with, just really sweeping heroic marches and stuff.
1: That's what I'm really excited about. I want to talk a little bit about that track. How did you guys like that track? That was from Superman for the Genesis. I've never played that game. Uh, Composed by Kenji Yamazaki. That track, that was the title theme the main theme from Superman. Well, what did you think about that track? Did it kind of remind you of maybe kind of the John Williams musical World of Superman? It felt like it felt like Superman, you
0: yeah. know. I mean, there've been multiple uh Superman themes, a lot of them in video games actually because I don't think there's ever been a game, I might be wrong, but I don't think there's ever been a Superman game that's actually included the John Williams theme. I don't think so. Like the one on the NES has a different theme the one on the Nintendo 64 has a different yeah, theme I don't think, and this of course has its own theme. I don't think
1: they've ever experimented with that another thing they've never experimented is making a Superman game that was good <laughs> I think <laughs> every single one has been atrocious there's that infamous one for the N64 which is usually considered like right. top five worst games of all time um, well I mean but even just speaking about like uh, themes it's something that's very interesting
0: to me because I, I bet if you examined all the Superman mm-hmm. themes you'd find a lot of commonalities I mean our father Grew up watching the old uh, Black and white the TV show. George Reeves Superman TV show And I remember he showed it To me a lot when I was a little kid mm-hmm. But like t- what's funny is for him When he thinks about Superman He thinks of that theme Which is uh, hilarious da, 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 da. And he'll like always
1: sing that version of the superman thing which is so crazy to me let's get let's Um, get rolling here so we're going to start off with a really quirky example if anyone remembers this game back on i think episode five we featured this game this is spider-man and the x-men in arcades revenge but it didn't come out for the arcade, it came out for the Super Nintendo. And it was composed by Tim and Jeff Fallon. It's a really weird soundtrack. We played, I think, Gambit Stage, which is really cool, but super weird. And this is another track that's like, it's just so something quirky about it, but it's pretty cool. This is Briefing from Arcade's Revenge by the Fallon Brothers. Cool stuff. You gotta love the Fallen Brothers, right? This is a briefing from Arcade's Revenge, the full title of Spider Man and the X Men in Arcade's Revenge. For the, yeah, that's right, Super Nintendo. You would not be able to tell by how advanced this sounds. They're just pushing it to its absolute limits. This came out in 1992. Some of the techniques in this track remind me of that Beach track from Plock, some of those like uh, kind of parallel moving major seventh chords. Really cool stuff. It, it's pretty weird, but I don't know, you have to enjoy the way that they're um, technically pulling this off here this is pretty cool yeah all that kind
0: of those panning effects are really interesting the nature of the harmonies and just how all the production is put together it just feels like the fallens even mm-hmm. though it's you know very different than something like silver surfer or a lot of you know like tim fallens work um, back on the commodore and stuff it it still somehow has their distinct emotional quality it's it's something that i don't know i'd love to kind of explore more in depth something I want to mention um, a lot of you that listen to our show but you know maybe only On the RSS feed, and you see that you know it only goes back a certain ways. There's a lot of episodes you're missing out on, Um, so I really recommend you guys check out some of the earlier episodes. Because one of the things we did, I think maybe in like our second Mm -hmm. season, we did an episode on Tim and Jeff. One of my favorite episodes and the music. I
1: gotta say that's probably one of the most solid playlists. Like every single track is just pushing (laughs) it to the limits. Uh, Yeah, and anyone who asks, we we will provide you with a link to old zip files for the old seasons. So yeah, just all you have to do is ask us and. hook you guys up uh let's move on here we got a lot of great music to get to we're gonna move on to one of the many batman tracks of the day by far i would say out of any superhero there seems to be the most batman games and a lot of them actually have really good music i can't speak to the quality of this game this is batman return of the joker for the nes amazing soundtrack composed by naoki kadaka Nobuyuki Hara and Shinichi Saya. We're going to take a listen to uh, Deserted Tunnel from Batman Return of the Joker. Talk about pushing technical limitations as far as they can go here. This is deserted tunnel from Batman Return of the Joker for the NES utilizing that awesome Sunsoft sampled bass that we only got in a few games but Naoki Kodaka does he ever utilize it in a way that feels exciting this is cool I like this soundtrack because it reminds me a little bit of the emotional world that Danny Elfman established in the score of the Batman movies from like the early uh, 90s late 80s Right. but it's a little bit more video game-ified so it's like right. a little bit more rocking and catchy it's just
0: great rocking and gr- Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Carl, about the nature of a lot of those harmonies. What's happening with this harmony um, you kind of you have a minor one chord and then you have this uh, un- it just moves to sort of a parallel minor triad built on the seventh scale degree. Um, not like a raised seventh just like the actual like modal seventh and it's this really cool thing. It sounds kind of ambiguous and emotional and it's very mysterious. It's perfect for the yeah. character of Batman, it's the kind of thing I think if you heard slowly with strings, it may even rouse up some of the emotions you get with like the Danny Elfman theme. And then you could just get a lot of that classic kind of uh, uh, that we, we talked about the kind of uh, major third leap between the minor one chord and then like a minor six mm-hmm. flat six chord or
1: something. Uh, Another thing I like about Batman as a character is he's able to have like rock music and it kind of works like at least in the 90s for, for a video game like this music wouldn't fit Superman I don't think it would really fit Spider-Man but it definitely fits Batman because he's such a cool character sure with a little bit of darkness and mystery and that's exactly what Nioka Kadaka and company were going for here well there's something I was thinking about which is like why have there been
0: so many games about Batman and why is he mm-hmm. usually one of the more successful superheroes and I think it's actually because physically he's you know weaker. I think it's more interesting. It's too open-ended. How can you make a game with legitimate challenge? It kind of breaks the mythology. Yeah, I'll
1: be honest. I mean... I think Superman is maybe the lamest one of the lamest like huge video uh superhero characters just cuz like he's too what? powerful. It, it's it's I don't know. Oh, I just think like That what that hurts I mean me. I I love, I love Batman. I've always loved Batman ever since I was a kid. Well, the thing that's interesting this is relevant because there's a film coming out. <laughs>
0: one of the reasons we did this episode there's a film yeah. called Batman versus, versus Superman. I'm going to say versus not V because I'm not a child. Are you talking
1: about BVS right now? Oh god. I I I <laughs>
0: That is the reason why we did this episode.
1: You know what's interesting? I, I read a review today. The reviews started coming out today for the first time at the time of recording. And actually what's surprisingly they said is uh, the redeeming parts of the movie are Ben Affleck's uh, portrayal of Batman. Like that's the most exciting part of the movie. Don't you mean his portrayal of Lego Batman? Lego Batman. and And the Superman stuff is apparently really kind of not the best. Which I think is interesting because originally people had a lot of backlash about, oh, Ben Affleck, what's that going to be about? But in general, I just think Batman's a more interesting uh, character. Uh, But let's move on. Let's stop talking about the character of Batman. Let's move on to a game called The Punisher another comic book superhero. And this uh, soundtrack came out for the arcade. And it was composed, this is cool, it was composed by Yoko Shimomura and Isao Abe, which is so cool because those were the composers that worked on Street Fighter 2. So it's cool that they worked on this. This is a few years after that. Let's take a listen to stage one from The Punisher <laughs> You guys are listening to the exciting stage one theme from The Punisher for the arcade. This is so fun because this really reminds me of Kingdom Hearts. Like you can tell, it's the Kingdom Hearts composer here. It's that same style. It's cool that this is arcade music because to me, this sounds more like console RPG music. Uh, but yeah, this is from The Punisher. Well, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds almost like cliche film
0: music, like the, you know, the kind of irregular meme. Well, did you
1: ever see that really funny Family Guy skit? Where they were doing um, The Porn Music Awards And you know Everything was like This like Wah 70s guitar sure. And then John Williams Was nominated for a, For a porn And it was It was the exact same Like orchestral style Oh that's funny It was a good It was a good gag Well what's cool is, Like Seth
0: MacFarlane When he was younger He wanted to be a film composer So he has a huge mm-hmm. He's a great composer himself And has a huge love Of and obviously music. a great singer um, so he always like incorporates jokes about that stuff it's kind of a funny story he's one of the producers of that show Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson right, Yeah. and Alan Silvestri actually does the music for that show and it's all just because Seth McFarlane is such a big fan of film music and yeah. he's already friends with Alan and asked him to do it well now
1: let's move on to another game the X-Men series this is a close second for a number of titles today uh, a lot of titles here too X-Men this is Mutant Apocalypse for the Super Nintendo well, let's take a listen to a theme of Beast, pretty interesting far out piece of music composed by Setsuo Yamamoto. You guys are listening to theme of Beast from X-Men: Mutant Apocalypse for the SNES, composed by Setsuo Yamamoto. Now, saying, well, in a weird way, I feel like this kind of captures the character of Beast pretty well. Yeah, I agree. I I really like
0: the X-Men characters. I think they're all wonderful and interesting. How they've been developed in all different kinds of media, but Beast might be one of my favorite characters because this wonderful sort of duality about him he's so that So like, intelligent. Exterior, you know, he's this beast, but yeah, this, and this theme captures this sort of tortured, suppressed mm-hmm. soul. I imagine there's an amount of like Jekyll and Hyde in influence for that character, but I for think it's sure. really
1: cool. Yeah, this is a cool track. It's very jazzy and surprising. You don't really know where it's going to go. Very pretty. Yeah. Th- some issues with the tuning.
0: We've talked about this before on Super Nintendo. Pretty like bad. With a lot of those different Street Fighter uh, 2 ports, sometimes the tuning is off. We've talked about the Mega Man X games uh, sometimes have issues with that. But yeah, this right. is a little sometimes painful. <laughs> at point, you know, It sounds like you're listening to like a broke organ That's in a funny. weird key or something.
1: Well, now let's move on to a series that we actually debated. I remember I texted Will. I was like, are we going to clout this? And he's like, I'll allow it. This is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, is as far as a series, and we have a, uh, two different games we're playing today from the series. This is the thing I was thinking are they superheroes? Because they don't think really they are. fly or have magical powers. But when you think about the average turtle, well, here's the, the thing: Ninja
0: Turtles are pretty darn super. They're just
1: as super as like Spider-Man, because you know something weird happened to them and they mutated and turned into what they are. And that's the same thing that happened to Spider-Man. Yeah, but the Spider-Man mutation. can like shoot webs. You know, the these Ninja guys Ninja can talk. They, they're That's really true. big, they can talk, they can fight. I think we
0: just have low standards for turtles. We don't expect them to do a lot, and when they fight crime, it's pretty super.
1: They're probably more super than Batman is, right? That's true, yeah. <laughs> so let's take a listen to a track from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, The Manhattan Project, for the NES. And this was composed by veteran composer Tomoya Tamita as well as Kozu Nakamura. Let's take a listen to Stage 3, The Bridge of Danger. That's a pretty catchy little bass riff there, if I do say so myself. You guys are listening to Stage 3, Bridge of Danger from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, The Manhattan Project, composed by Tomoya Tomita and Kazu Nakamura. Yeah, Tomoya Tomita worked for Konami for a number of years and did some great work. It's cool that now he's, you know, so known for his Nintendo work still to this day. Very active, doing great stuff. Uh, This is really cool. A lot
0: of the Sunsoft music to me really feels like in the same vein as a lot of Konami stuff. It sure does. Where it's like a lot really groovy and funky and just like awesome guitar-centric riffs. Um, I mean I think of sort of Konami and Capcom as the big heavy hitters when it comes to NES music and I mean really even Super Nintendo music or Genesis you know moving into the 16-bit generation um, but Konami just really does some pretty impressive writing when you think I mean something like this there, there is a lot of similarities between this track and the thing that we heard from Return of the Joker yeah I think one of the biggest things is that it features a lot of just two voice musical ideas where you just mm-hmm. have the line and the melody and making use of the very liberal um, delay, uh, which I think is very effective. I think the, the similarities between the characters of the Ninja Turtles and Batman, that they're mm-hmm. sort of vigilantes and they work in the night and kind of in the shadows or whatever. I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are a lot more fun than Batman well see
1: that's the thing is like but... musically when you're comparing the two what you're going to get is you're going to get a lot faster tunes more fun tunes a little bit more free of a form um, mm-hmm. than you would get in something like a Batman game but it does rock in a similar way and yeah you know this, this is a really cool soundtrack I'm a really big fan of stage one it's just like such a classic video game theme to me uh, from Manhattan Project so yeah glad to play a track that we haven't played from this game so let's move on to yet another Batman game. This is just Batman, but it is for the Sega Genesis. So <laughs> there are so many different versions of Batman, and this was the Sega Genesis version, had its own soundtrack, composed again by Naoki Kadaka. Really good stuff here. Let's take a listen to Stage 3 Flugelheim Museum. guys are listening to stage three from batman for the genesis composed by naoki kadaka he's really showing you how to do this fm stuff well because i don't know it has a great melody it's super groovy it's utilizing that great combination of soft and hard attack that is possible on the genesis you know that lead is kind of more of like a square uh synth sound but then you get the hard bass and drums just a very lush sound will what are your thoughts on flugelheim museum I think it's a wonderful
0: track uh, I, I really enjoy It, it feels very unique um, For kind of like an an FM sound You know it, it, it This is like my ideal uh, track like this Because you know It right? rocks It covers all the bases But very catchy Really beautiful melody um, Something that is kind of interesting to me That I've just sort of been reflecting on The idea that a lot of video games and a lot of early video games really were about if not superheroes sort of bionic beings or you yeah. think of a character like Mega Man or even Super Mario you know well, Super isn't well, is I even, a big part of like Remember when I, I jokingly games.
1: text you that as soon as you came up with the idea for this episode I was like wait are we counting like Super Mario doesn't count that's not a superhero so it's like no otherwise every video game character would be a superhero. But the thing that's I think um, subsequently will be interesting about today's
0: episode is I think a lot of this music will sort of be of the status quo of the time. That's not a bad thing. In mm-hmm. fact, I think that's a great thing. Um, but it's just it's. I don't think we're going to hear a lot um, necessarily of composers sort of stepping outside themselves to do kind of a film music thing. Right. Because when you think about it, video games are escapism. It's about attaching you know your consciousness <laughs> yeah. onto a stronger character, a stronger avatar something that we can imagine ourselves to be and that's really what superheroes are at their very core. So I, I think it's fitting that a, a lot of this game music, does sort of play to that rocking, catchy, intense energy that we get,
1: you know, in most games. Well, let's move on to an absolute classic. This is X-Men, the arcade game, the original. Uh, This is the arcade version, obviously, here. We're going to take a listen to the stage one theme called Here Comes the Hero. This is absolutely classic. We featured this also on our episode five arcade music episode. This was composed by Saichi Fukami, Yuji Takanuchi, and Junya Nakano, let's take lesson two Here Comes the Hero from X-Men. my gosh, really, if you were to have one piece of music that could completely encapsulate the 90s, this does it for me. <laughs> you guys are listening to Here Comes the Hero from X-Men for the arcade composed by Seiichi Fukami, Yuji Takanuchi, and Junya Nakano. It's funny because his, his grammar is pretty terrible when he actually says it. I think he says, here come the hero to save the world from destruction. Which yeah, it's, he, it's best not to think about it. It's funny though because his, his voice is like... Uh so
0: dramatic it's not on it's very confidently wrong
1: right but it works this track is so cool you know that slap bass the brass hits the really kind of mysterious uh melody i don't know it just it just works super well it's definitely the best track in the game i think it's just uh, video games are so much fun especially you know back then
0: you know something like and you get so many instances of things being lost in translation and I, I don't know. I, I just I, I love something like this. It's so unabashed. It's really cheesy. Listening to it in retrospect, it all is. the things they're trying to do to sound like contemporary the pop glass music. hits. Yeah, I mean, it's it very much dates itself quickly, but musically, I think it's super interesting mm-hmm. and just really fun. That part there is I, mean, I, I love asked. this game too. I mean, the X Men Archigma is one of the great uh, beat 'em ups. If you've ever had the opportunity to to play it, the it's, best it's multiplayer is so
1: fun. I have so many great memories. Well, speaking of bad
0: translation, there's that when you get to Magneto, he
1: infamously says, "X-Men, welcome to die." So infamous. That's that's wonderful. All right, now let's move on to another series. Uh, this is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers: The Movie. This was for the Super Nintendo the game, <laughs> composed by Hiroyuki Awatsuki and Haruo. Ahashi. Now, what's interesting is there is a different SNES Power Rangers game, straight up just Power Rangers. That was composed by Ikumi Mizutani and Kunio Yamashita, and that was a great soundtrack as well. But this one might slightly out edge it. I'm a really big fan of this. Let's take this new track called Shopping Center from Power Rangers the Movie, the game. <laughs> You guys are listening to Shopping Center from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie composed by Haruyuki Awatsuki and Haruo Ahashi. You know, it's so clear, they're really showing their hand here. You know, they're trying to do something cool and something that fits in the mid-90s, but they're choosing, like, jazz rock fusion to do that, which I think is so funny that right. so many of these composers choose that. Because, okay, let's say you take these as real instruments. Distorted guitar, bass, drums, and synthesizer? Like, that's not what Dude, you get in rock music. Sometimes I forget how much the 90s sounded like the 80s.
0: <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like, just, I, I don't know. The, I love this kind of pop music, just like, where it's so unabashed. It really thinks it's cool, mm-hmm. but just, I don't know. I, I like listening to it now because it isn't. A lot of the context is gone, and compared In comparison with, you know, popular music now, these chords are so rich and everything is so emotional and extreme, you know, Mm -hmm. the production is so over the top, you know, it's like it's so big and so loud, but also really emotional and kind of unafraid. There's no concern about something being cheesy or corny or heavy handed. Uh, and when it translates to video game music, I think it's really effective because, you know, you don't necessarily have the same level of production and vocals, so you really just sort of distill it to the musical elements, which is really what I think is what I'm doing when I'm listening to a lot of old pop music. You know, I'm I'm listening to the music behind some of the sometimes cringeworthy production Yeah, no, you're
1: so right. I mean, sometimes you listen to, like, a 90s pop song, and it does feel so old, like, what is love? That was the 90s. That It, it yeah. almost feels like right wait, was that the 80s? Well, I'm not like, talking about that. What is love is perfect. Do you know, not change the thing. It's perfect, but it's <laughs> so seeped in that era. Like, it would <laughs> no, never happen today, you know? That's what I love about it, especially in video game music. You get a lot of things that are just like, they're so cheesy and they're just, they're playing all their cards. And they're not trying to hold anything back. And, and, that, and sometimes that's what we need in music. We need yeah. everything to just be firing all at once. Sometimes, well, sometimes I we miss it. just that. need to, you know, ask that age-old question, what is love? What is love? Yeah. We all have our own answer. Now let's move on to another game for the Genesis. This is Captain America and the Avengers for the Genesis. And this was composed by tetsuya kiyuchi and then a couple of pretty successful composers after that we have shogo sakai who does a lot of great work for the kirby series and nintendo and hitoshi sakimoto who's a household name if you're a fan of video games. carl music. did you say this is for the genesis this is for the genesis the genesis the genesis let's take a listen genesis to does almost victorious You know what I'll say about this track? It's so close to being great, but it, it I guess I would say it's almost victorious. That was a joke, cause that track is this is called Almost Victorious here from Captain America and the Avengers. No, this is a cool piece of music by Tatsuya Shogo Shogosakai, and Hitoshi Sakimoto. You know, I think me and Will we're talking about implementationally, it's kinda by the books, it's not very inspired. But I think the track I would say compositionally too, you know. It kinda I mean, of reminds it me of Bomberman it's actually. Functional.
0: Yeah. It's not bad. Um, I don't think it's necessarily something that you would like leave humming or just like mm-hmm. be that much of an earworm It's it really works. I it is almost sort of catchy, victorious.
1: It's so close. Yeah,
0: <laughs> almost victorious. Yeah, the emotion is right it, it works, you know, I got no bones to pick
1: has anybody ever played this game Captain America and the Avengers for the Genesis I never even heard of it when I was a kid now I think Captain America is one of the lamer superheroes come on i will agree he's much he's 10 times lamer than superman hopefully
0: oh people are gonna be mad at all the chris evans fans out there just like shut their laptops i I, I
1: might be in the minority but i think that most marvel characters i think are kind of lame like as opposed from obviously i love all the except all the (laughs) x-men um (laughs) so majority of spider-man's cool but like I feel like all the other kind of standalone characters, I just do not like. Iron Man's kind of cool. Iron Man. I don't know the Hulk. Iron Man was never cool until Robert Downey Jr. came along and made it like real and like funny in a way that that no other character was. You could say
0: the same thing about I don't know all of them. And we, you and I were not avid comic book readers. I'm sure there was all kinds used of comics to be. throughout the 90s that you know gave people more character. But I mean, it's like comic books back when they first came out they were campy they were silly they were for children well if
1: you had to choose who's your favorite or who's your least terrible uh captain america versus thor who do you go with definitely captain america because he's not a norse god (laughs) oh i thought you were gonna try to have like patriotism for america or something
0: definitely captain america because america usa
1: usa (laughs) captain america make make america great again (laughs) 2016 uh you know it's funny uh, norse god like i guess yeah that's a superhero another thing that's a superhero that i tried to find was hercules you know uh when the when the disney movie came out they made a video game Oh, but the music is just not very good so i didn't include it today so you guys should thank me for that yeah
0: that was yeah not alan menken's best work no i'm just kidding i love the music
1: to hercules i'm sure the game used none of it (laughs) all original stuff that is Wildly inappropriate Anyway They should have gotten Donald Griffin to do it It would have been great Yeah Uh, Let's move on To Batman For the NES Completely different soundtrack Also by You guessed it Naoki Kadaka
0: Is this this really moving on Or is this moving back
1: It's moving back And forward At the same time Let's take a listen To Laboratory Ruins That's sort of a Superpower You guys are listening to Laboratory Ruins for Batman. This is the NES version here, composed by Naoki Kadaka. Such a classic arpeggio. Uh, Again, you know, everything that that Batman Genesis track has, wonderful groove, great melody, it rocks, it's entertaining, it's good for the background, but you could actually listen to it on its own, which all of you are doing right now, and hopefully you're enjoying it. I'm definitely enjoying this. This is a classic piece of music. Yeah, it's so interesting. I I really would
0: love to do kind of like an in-depth, Discovery of uh, kind of Japanese musical culture in the 80s and 90s because it's something that you've heard reflected a lot that there isn't mm-hmm. really a lot of, you know, collaboration or cross pollination between video game composers that were active in this time period. But so there's so many similarities between something like this and, say, Castlevania. I mean, we talked about the similarity between Konami, Capcom, oh, Sunshine, all these companies. When we were listening but,
1: to this track, I was mentioning to Will, like, NES music is so inspiring because these guys had nothing absolutely nothing to work with and what they got out of it was just I mean a lesser man would have just like went home and said I can't I can't do this what I have three voices and they sound like kind of crap like I'm done I I can't make good music out of this but what they made out of it is just so inspiring I think
0: yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's when when I hear some of those similarities and some of those impressive, you know, the way that like multiple composers will approach a problem in the same way. You know, they're right. they're using this limited hardware, and different people can do an equally effective job. Sure. It, it, it to me, it sort of validates game music as an art form, or almost like an era of composers really because it's something you look throughout the history of classical Mm -hmm. music there's a lot of stuff like that where it's like we divide things into periods and we hear like oh at this time you know these were the things that were sort of floating around the ether so a lot of composers were writing in this style or doing this thing or it's like you know pianos couldn't sustain in the same way so composers would have to use repeated figures or something you know you think there were challenges and limitations in the past musically before well it's
1: an interesting thought to, to wonder you know was it the case where a a couple people early on, had the idea to write music like this and it worked and then everyone followed that or everybody separately had the same idea See,
0: that's that's what I'm getting at that's what I'm so curious about yeah. I mean I'm sure there were some composers that were young and mm-hmm. played video games and so were sort of experienced but what I'm getting to think is that there were just enough things in the collective mm-hmm. musical consciousness in Japan of that time that it was just kind of you know it's almost like you listen to like choral music of a certain era or it's like someone like Eric Whittaker who was just like such a big deal and a lot yeah. of you know more modern choral music is so much of that tradition once you
1: think about it that way that makes total sense like even let's talk about video game music if you listen to video game music from 2000 to <laughs> let's 2005 let's talk about video game music i agree <laughs> for a change if you listen to stuff from 2000 to 2005 it definitely has its own sound and then if you listen to something from like 2011 to 2016 that has a different style so even in that amount of time like styles well, change I, not to get too overly philosophical but i think it's It's just something that gets back to human nature.
0: You know, we always want to feel like we're part of a group or that we're part of our current time period, though. No, I mean, it's impossible to not. Also, I think it's impossible not to look back in history and round things into similarities and say like, oh, from this time to this time, it was just this. Because the things that stick out in our mind may be more similar than if you're actually living through that time period, experiencing, you know,
1: culture hand. you know i don't want to get too philosophical but it's all about neurons really just you know nerve impulses okay let, let's move on did i'm really excited like, google <laughs> did you google like what brain cells are i just googled smart sounding intelligent uh no let's <laughs> let's move on to this week's track of the week it's cool. We featured a track from this game last week, and we're featuring a different track this week. This is the soundtrack that just came out. It's Supreme League of Patriots, composed by Jay Kaufman, was released on his new Mint Potion uh, Studio label. And what's so cool is this is an original game featuring uh, original superheroes. It's kind of like a crime-solving adventure game. So it's the one example uh, that's not from comic books. Really cool track called The Park. Let's take a listen. So good. This is The Park from Supreme League of Patriots. And the more I listen to Jake's music, especially, you know, in context with today, the more I realize that what's so great about it is it's unabashed. And when you think about Jake, he's a really funny guy, kind of says whatever he wants to say, has a great sense of humor. His music is unabashed. He's not holding anything back. He has a vision of what he wants to do, what he thinks would be cool and funky, and he just does it with relative ease and a lot of confidence. And that's what... I love about video game music. Well, yeah, he's sort of
0: like my ideal of what I think a composer should be, where it's not sort of self-obsessed about like your own identity and what are you doing that's different. you know, it's like he can just kind of be a chameleon and kind of lose himself completely in a style. And he can do so many different things. He's very versatile. And to me, that's like the core essence of what I think a great composer is. Yeah. Because the thing is, he has his own inevitable sound. You know, his personality, when you work deeply and passionately about something you love, your own personality is going to come out. It's inevitable. But I think sometimes a lot of composers are too focused about, like, what makes them different. And someone like Jake Kaufman, you know, he's just a, he's a craftsman. You know, he's a servant to whatever he's working on. And he'll pursue that to the farthest amount that that thing wants to be. You know, this is like this beautiful 70s jazzy disco-y. yeah piece of music, it's, it's and not, you know, it's not
1: music. It's not the kind of music you hear a lot in 2016. It really feels <laughs> no, like no, of another no era, means. and maybe part of the reason for that is the fact that he's a video game composer. You can get away with kind of not always being... Sure. I mean, what some people consider is cool. Like, I think this is cool, but there's some people that might think, oh my gosh, what is this cheesy Ooh, disco
0: thing? Maybe it's a little bit like that, you know, Richard Jake's example, that racing game with the different uh, stations. Yeah. Um, where you know everything is done completely idiomatically to that style. Uh, but what's great to me about this is not just the composition. To me, like Jake has a huge love of jazz and jazz chord changes, funk, and, and so it's like this is sort of him getting to be free in that style. But also, I think the production um, is really smart because uh, it's you know clearly live performers, but what the sound that he's going for is kind of like having a full string section, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of seventies disco sound, but it's clear that he only has maybe one or maybe two performers. It might've been double tracked. but the thing is, uh, the reverb is very specific and very tastefully done. So to our ears, sonically, we still get that same sense of the kind of seventies production, even if it's not as big a string section as we might be used to. You know,
1: if you're just talking about technically, it's one of those great things because he has maybe one, two, uh, maybe three real performers and then a lot of it is sequence you know the strings are all sequence and stuff which you can't even tell because you're listening to the drums you're listening to the bass and the sax and you just buy into the entire world and you're just kind of immersed in it and that's that's one of the advantages when you can combine real performers with virtual instruments it's just gonna people are gonna be able to buy it 100 percent. and that's what happens totally. in this track let's move on to x-men versus street fighter pretty popular game that came out for the arcade as well as the playstation and the sega saturn this was composed by some great um composers for capcom yuki awai who did wonderful work on mega man x2 as well as yuko takahara who's also done uh good work in the mega man series let's take a listen to a track that sounds a lot like something from maybe mega man x2 this is gambit stage wonderful composition. You guys are listening to Gambit Stage from X-Men vs. Street Fighter, composed by Yuki Iwai and Yuko Takahara. It really feels like a Mega Man track. You know, you have yeah. that wonderful distorted no guitar, but but again, you know, unlike rock music that you hear on the radio, it's this gorgeous lyrical melody that the guitar is playing right. with a little bit of mystery, a little bit of power. It's, it's video game music. It's a very, I mean, it's like, to me, the classic
0: uh, Japanese video game music chord progression the sort of circle sure. of 50 kind of thing but I also have a lot of associations with that in 80s pop music so I mean
1: pretty sure this is the arcade version of the soundtrack there actually might not have been a difference at all because those are three you know the PS one and the Saturn those are CD systems anyway mm-hmm. so it probably was all one version but it's a pretty great good track, piece hey? of well, music
0: yeah, yeah totally feels um, in the spirit of classic video game music which I mean I love to get more of that we've played this before in the podcast haven't we We have played this. I think it was like a show and tell,
1: didn't I? Well, it was either that or like, did we possibly play this in our Street Fighter episode? Because it does have Street Fighter links to it as, you know, possible. One of those episodes. Uh, Let's move on. Let's move on to Spider-Man for the Game Boy Color. That may have surprised you. Maybe you're expecting a different console. Yeah, I was expecting Spider-Man for the Atari Lynx, actually. Oh, interesting. Okay, so this is composed by the German composer Manfred Lindsner. He does some good work. I, I'm definitely a fan of his work, especially, you know, for the Game Boy. He He's one of those guys who kind of pushes it to places that technically that maybe other composers don't uses um, outside genre as well. Let's play a track. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is all that we can name this track. It's Cutscene 3 from Spider-Man. You know, it's funny, guys, as we're listening to this, Will Will was rapping over this. Uh, he was actually just saying, yeah, over and over again, but it was, it was pretty good. This is it was um, getting very racy. <laughs> this is cutscene 3 from Spider-Man for the Game Boy Color by European composer Manfred Lindner. And what's interesting, he's definitely approaching the Game Boy from a European perspective. It's that demo scene-y style that sounds nothing like the Japanese tradition, but it's cool.
0: Yeah, really much in the tradition of things like Mick Kids. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the tradition of McKid. I know.
0: A great sentence. I thought that would make you laugh. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, that's what's funny is the older video games become, you know, pretty soon it's time, you know, to add some pretense to it, you know. People are going to start studying it like it's a museum piece. At least that would be my yeah. hope. I would love to hear that sentence, you know, formally. Yeah, I want to see – that's my goal. I wanted to do a show, you know, with, like, the Emily Reese NPR level of professionalism, but talking about, like, silly old video game music, you know.
1: Wait, so are you saying – This piece is from Spider-Man from the Game Boy Color. Wait, so are you saying that – are you upset that we ever do new music? You just want to do old stuff? Well, I mean, I I think
0: we've we've become more open to doing more contemporary stuff – as the years have gone on, when we started, I mean, yeah. we really just wanted to show what we loved about the music that we heard growing up.
1: You know, it's fun. Uh, you know, a lot of this, uh, sometimes when I pick playlists, it's a track that Will hasn't heard before, and I kind of enjoy he- seeing his reaction. This one, Will was not definitely enjoying the groove. I was very and much was, enjoying. That was evidenced by him starting to rap over it. And I wasn't really <laughs> rapping. I was more just saying, yeah. Right. Well, you know, speaking, I do want, I do have to say, you know, like today a it's man. a sad... Well, it's, it's a sad day, because Fife Dog... Um, Malik Isaac Taylor passed away today and he's one of the front men of the best rap group of all time, in my opinion, um, A Tribe Called Quest. So, RIP to Fife Dog. and if anyone hasn't listened to A Tribe Called Quest, they are just incredibly good. Very jazzy, very pioneering hip-hop group, so I'd have to Absolutely. give it a little shout yeah, out to Yeah, we're going to be playing Fife out
0: Dog. with it. No, no, I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> I wish, I wish. Uh, okay, now let's move on to a Batman title. This is a, a more recent entry, one of the more recent games we're playing today. This is Batman Arkham City you know they've had some great success in this series pretty much every single Arkham game that's come out has been critically acclaimed it's sold really well Uh, people absolutely love this series Batman Arkham City we're going to play a track called I Think You Should Do As He Says composed by Nick Arundel. Very good. You guys are listening to I Think You Should Do As He Says. This is from Batman Arkham City, composed by Nick Arundel. Uh, yeah. I think there's about, like what, four Arkham games? There's Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Origins, Arkham Knight, Arkham Knight. I think. Um, Arkham City might be the most, like, critically acclaimed. But I remember when this came out, because I think it was the second one, uh, just just really universally loved, and the score's really good. It's kind of typical uh, video game fare. It's kind of the stuff that you kind of would expect. Sure. But again, it's kind of carrying the torch of the film legacy of Batman. Yeah, and I mean, to really me, it it's more
0: like legit symphonic than I think I would expect i mean some of the chord moves definitely feel like they're paying some tribute to mm-hmm. uh closer to danny elfman than hans zimmer i guess i would say um kind of almost something like like a bioshock you know feels um sure. more like you know a gary shyman kind of thing where you're you're using the orchestra and a little bit more of a traditional sense it doesn't just feel like a mm-hmm. giant production piece
1: well, it's a good track. Now we're going to move on to the NES and go to a terrible game that happens to have one of the best 8-bit soundtracks ever, Silver Surfer by the Fallen Brothers. We've played this music a lot. Uh, one of the tracks that we've played probably lesser than the, the BGM themes is the title screen. So we're going to play that. We have the played every single um, piece from this game <laughs> quite a bit, though. So <laughs> That is true. This is title screen from Silver Surfer by Tim and Jeff Fallen. Oh my gosh, you know when it comes to just like really cool 8-bit music, no one comes close to these guys, these these brothers from England. You guys are listening to Title Screen from Silver Surfer for the Nintendo Entertainment System by Tim and Jeff Fallen. Can't get better than this. Isn't Jeff Fallon like a school teacher now or something? He might be a minister, uh, like he. Because there are three brothers. One of them became like a minister. One of them became a teacher. It's like none of them are in the video game industry anymore, which is so crazy. I would, I would go to the 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 practice of uh, the Fallen <laughs> Brothers. I would too. Gosh, I worship. You know, I worship you know, it's at like,
0: the altar of Silver Surfer. This sure. is so amazing. This another is like another a,
1: sentence that's funny to say. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know. Now we live in the age of Kickstarter. It's like I want a Kickstarter that will get these guys back to do another like 8-bit soundtrack where they have to use the NES hardware again and try to do something like this because it just was this like this, this point in the universe that was just meant to be those people were meant to work on this hardware and make music That would only sound like this because of that. Like, you listen to his later stuff and it was cool, but like, it's just he never wrote music. Tim never wrote music like this ever again. I think that whole uh, scene, the whole sphere
0: of, you know, modern chiptunes, I mean, some of it I think comes out of the demo scene and the whole Commodore community, but I think a big part of it comes out of people, you know, maybe our generation being really obsessed with. 8-bit music like this and be mm-hmm. like you know this offers something that isn't just an approximation of something else that exists in the world it's like nothing it's like unique. this has ever existed yeah. before before it's video exciting. game music and it provides new musical opportunities it's not just kind of like what you're left with yeah uh, well, which
1: is sometimes i think the context that we look at 8 and 16-bit music in mm-hmm. absolutely well now let's move on to an absolute classic another arcade game turtles in time This was composed by Mitsuhiko Izumi. We're going to play Sewer Surfin'. Here we go. You guys were listening to Sewer Surfing from Turtles in Time, composed by Mitsuhiko Izumi. Such a fun track! Yeah, we went from Silver Surfing to Sewer Surfing. Pretty close, actually. You know, this or really surf-in. feels like this feels like arcade music. Uh, you know, it's very free and it exciting is. and fun. And it, it's just, it's one of those things that's just exciting. Like, if you were to hear this in the early 90s, there's just something that's fun about it and feels like this fresh experience. That's what the game was. You know, this game was loads of fun. I, I loved playing this game in the arcades. Well, it's fun. I, there's
0: something great. Yeah, you almost notice a trend. At, at the birth of any new medium, they're kind of a novelty for a long time before they start being treated as an art. And I think video games are still young enough. We're in that transition. They may still be a novelty to this day, but mm-hmm. definitely in the 80s and 90s, they were much more of a novelty. And I just, I love the image. The idea now, it's almost like a romantic quaint notion of an arcade <laughs> where, you know, just kids, you go in, you put in a quarter... And this amazing light show of sound and color, and you get to control, and it's this
1: wonderful spectacle. It's almost like you imagine people in the silent era. Well, like saying it now, it feels like it's just as old as the silent era. It's like what you put a quarter in. Can't I just watch that on my phone? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you hear stories of people being just dazzled by motion pictures.
0: It was this crazy Mm -hmm. phenomenon, but it was you know it was completely a novelty. And I think the tone of older video game music is very much reflective of that the yeah. way you talked about just fun and wonder that's kind of mm-hmm. the image that comes to my mind when i think of great arcade games
1: absolutely man well now let's move on to another track from batman return of the joker soundtrack was so good i just couldn't resist playing two tracks from it this was one that i don't believe we've ever played before so hey that's kind of cool assembly plant composed by naoki Kadaka from batman return of the joker we You guys are listening to Assembly Plant from Batman Return of the Joker for the NES, composed by Niyoki Kadaka. This is a cool track. It's a little bit more kind of subtle in background. You know, it's not quite as melodic, but it's really good because it kind of utilizes some nice instrument switching. You know, having that one melody that has that great doubling effect, that reverb effect, and then switching over to the those harmonized lines. It's one—it's one of those things where it makes it feel like it's a bigger band than it actually is. Well, and it's cool when it moves over to those harmonized instruments. Not only does it change duty
0: cycles, it's an instrument that has that kind of fake uh, delay effect, where mm-hmm. within the same instrument, it'll have multiple sort of attacks. I mean, there are attacks that goes da da da, but then it goes da da, very quiet. It's practically inaudible, but it—it's a really nice effect. Because honestly, if you just went from having that delay instrument to just having completely, I guess you would say like dry sounding timbres it mm-hmm. it might be a little jarring where he's sort of yeah. able to keep the same sound world and that's so amazing to me that you know back then with this incredibly limited hardware to have the idea of maintaining a physical space, you know, it's Isn't something crazy? they talk about in production, where it's like you you want everything to feel like it's sitting in the same room. In the fact that you would even be able to do something like that with the NES is insane to me. But the fact that he was thinking about it is awesome too. Well,
1: here's the thing: I think he probably was. I know those three gentlemen, Naoki Kadaka, Nobuyuki Hara, and Shinichi Saya, did a wonderful job of implementing that music. But whether or not they were conscious of that, it's the sign of a good composer or, or a good technician to be able to do that. And those guys were just rock stars when it came to NES. You know, those two other two gentlemen worked with Nioki Kadaka a lot. If I'm not mistaken, they were the people responsible for more of the actual implementation and maybe some of the uh, amazing achievements in getting it to sound as good as it does. And I believe Nioki Kadaka was the primary composer. So bang up job. Uh, now we're going to move on to the last track of the day. It's another 8-bit track from X-Men Mutant Wars. This came out for the Game Boy Color. It was composed by Kazuo Sawa, Let's take a listen to Train Chase. Thanks a lot for joining us as we explored music of superhero games. You know, there was a lot to choose from. Most of it was pretty good. You know, I had to listen to a lot of mediocre stuff. <laughs> but definitely nothing as bad as, you know, when you think about some of these infamously bad games like Superman, Silver Surfer. Luckily, the music was the redeeming factor. And, you know, sure. when we think about the, sadly, the career of the Fallen Brothers, that was almost the norm. They only did terrible games, but they were like the one redeeming aspect of the game. So great music today. Thanks for joining us uh, for this adventure. Absolutely. Hopefully, it was uh, very gallant and super <laughs> and
0: magnificent. Um, and I guess a- if
1: you want to, you can go see Batman versus Superman this
0: weekend. Sure. Or, you know, why, go why see not? go see Deadpool or any one of the million superhero movies that are always in rotation.
1: Actually, you know what you should see if you haven't seen yet is Zootopia. That's I can. Get my full weight behind that endorsement. We should do a animal. <laughs> we should have done oh an gosh. animal music episode. We could do that. Well Just guys all, um, all
0: games that have like Animal as Animal sounds As yeah. as musical instruments
1: Well a couple little things Here to plug Obviously you can follow us On Twitter At Mercado Bros You can like us on Facebook uh, Subscribe to us on YouTube Head on over to our website supermercadobros.com. You can find every episode Of our podcast As well as Our original music uh, We have a little uh, page That has all of the interviews We've ever done before On the show Which, which is cool And also yeah If you want uh, to be hooked up With old zip files Of the the old seasons that aren't on the feed just let us know yeah, Send us meet us
0: meet us behind the alley and <laughs> on your street we're selling black we'll market what's good. bros episodes
1: well let's play you out with the track from batman rise of sin zoo for the gba by barry leitch my name is carl bergerman i'm his brother will bergerman have a great week everybody peace out